Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me for today's live Coffee with Tamara podcast. Uh, I apologize for my voice. I have a little bit of a sore throat, so I'll be drinking a lot of coffee and water during the podcast, but I'm here. So I'm really excited for today's topic, which is about are you future ready? And I'm going to dive into in a minute what that means and how you accomplish that and the impact of it. So we're going to we're going to dig pretty deep into this. But before I get going, let me just remind people how this podcast works. Because I know some of you have been, me, been with me for a while. And hello and welcome back. It's good to see you. And some of you are new. And welcome. We're excited you're here. This is a live recording or live streaming that we then record. And then it goes out tomorrow on all the podcast players. Every interview, every deep dive we do works this way. The reason we started incorporating the lives is because I wanted a chance to engage with the audience and the audience wanted a chance to ask me questions. I kept getting a lot of questions in and I wanted an opportunity for you to actually ask them to me live and to really tap the collective brilliance wisdom of the community of our everyday innovators out there. We all have something incredible to add to the conversation. So if you're out there and you have a question I encourage you to ask it because your question is going to help somebody else. They might be thinking it too, or it might help them think about their challenge in a new way. Or if you're like, oh, here's how I do it, or here's how I think about it, or here's the aha I just had, I would encourage you to add that too, because that's going to make somebody else think about it in a new way or give somebody else some insight that they may not have had before. So let's get to it. I want to talk about, are you future ready? what that means and what that looks like for you. So why are we even talking about this? I took a bunch of notes um, and yes, you can see my dogs <laughs> the podcast today. They're like all over the place today. So what does it mean to be future ready? Why do we care about that? What is that even about? So let me share kind of how I look at that and how I define it because it's critical for individuals and for teams and organizations at all level right now in particular with the uncertainty and the change and the ambiguity that we're dealing with, we need to be future ready. And in fact, being future ready creates stability and innovation. People always think those two can't exist together, but they 100% exist together. And in fact, when they do, that's when you are successful is when you have both. So let me talk about what it means. So being future ready is the ability to anticipate, adapt, and respond proactively to change. So anticipate, adapt, and respond. So what is that? Well, that's not being reactive and constantly putting out fires. That's actually being able to ebb and flow with change and respond proactively, meaning it doesn't constantly take you by surprise. You're actually able to navigate it, to harness it sometimes. And here's the thing I'm gonna say with the world that we're in and the future that we're headed to, is we know change is coming, but we don't know what it is all the time. Sometimes we can anticipate it. I'm going to talk about that. But oftentimes we know that change is here, right? We know that that's a constant, but we don't know what it is. So what we need to do is, like I said, we need to be able to anticipate that it's coming, maybe not always get it right, but know it's coming. But then we need to be able to adapt and respond in a productive way. And that's the part that I think is so hard for a lot of us is we end up putting out fires all day. So the second part of being future ready is the capacity for strategic foresight. Here's what I mean by this. Strategic foresight is 
thinking strategically, not just about today, but about the future. How many times have we had ideas or made plans or put down a blueprint or a roadmap for ourselves that is very today focused? And it doesn't have the future in mind. So it really ends up crumbling. It ends up falling apart because we didn't really think it through. We didn't have that strategic foresight. And the last part, which I think we all know is important and a lot of us have exhibited recently is the resilience to withstand and thrive amidst uncertainty and disruption. So let me say that again. Resilience to withstand, right? To push, stand up against that tough wind that we're facing, but also thrive amidst uncertainty and disruption. So when I think about being future ready, I kind of visualize it as having my two feet firmly on the ground, being ready to tackle whatever comes my way. And there's a lot of different things coming our way. Some of these changes, I can kind of see the trends and I can anticipate. And I'm, in fact, I would say that I'm actually pretty good at being one step ahead of things or seeing how things are panning out. But I don't always get it. Not only do I not always get it right, none of us can, but also things change, things ebb and flow. But what I am confident in is my ability to stand with my feet firmly on the ground and tackle it and to thrive and to be resilient and to adjust and ebb and flow with it. So I want to talk about that for you specifically today. And what our research has really uncovered is that there are five key areas that you, your team, your organization need to be strong in if you really want to thrive amidst change and uncertainty. All right, so we just got a great question in from a LinkedIn user which said, what if I'm good at some of that and not others? I'm great at being agile, but I'm not good at being resilient. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna dig into all those. So first of all, thank you for sharing that. We're not all good at all, and that's why there's five key areas. It's not one just big bucket. So good, good thing to bring up. So I want to talk about all five so that we can really dig into them. And we created an infographic that I don't know if it's on our website yet or not. So I'm gonna put my glasses for this. So are you guys ready to dig into all five? Okay, so remember, these five are what help us be future ready, which is our ability to anticipate, adapt, and respond proactively to change and complexity, the agility to innovate, the capacity for strategic foresight, and the resilience to withstand and thrive amidst uncertainty and disruption. So there's five areas. I'm going to share these five areas with you, and I'm going to share some examples and some stories of clients that I've worked with and from our business as well. So here's the five, ready for them? Okay, collaborative spirit, agility and resilience, decision-making and risk-taking, everyday innovator mindset, and awareness and appreciation. So let me define all of these for you. But again, these are five keys to making yourself future ready, which is so important. So the question I would have for you before I dig into all of them, when I say, in fact, let me describe them, and then I've got a question for you. So collaborative spirit is your ability to work well with others in a way that best leverages people's diverse set of strengths and works towards shared visions or goals. So it's not just being able to sit at a table and have a good time with someone. It's being able to work together in a way that leverages diverse goals and works towards shared outcomes. Agility and resilience. That's your capacity to quickly adapt to change, overcome challenges, and bounce back from setbacks with strength and flexibility. 
this is where we see people a little bit exhausted right now in particular, because I think we've all been adjusting for a long time now, at least since 2020, right? Yeah, I know I'm not alone in that. Um, the third one is decision-making and risk-taking. So it's your ability to make confident decisions and act in decisive manners and act boldly, taking smart risks forward. Decision-making is an unbelievable skill. I've been getting asked a lot of questions about decision-making. I think because it's one of those things that we think sounds great. We know we need it, but man, do we falter in this area, don't we? We're like, we're like lollygaggers. You know, I heard, um, God, what is her name? Cody something. She just small, like she invests in boring businesses, small businesses. Oh, I can't remember her name. Anyways, she, uh, in an interview, said something I thought was so powerful. She said, if you want to know how someone makes decisions, take them out to lunch. She said, I don't hire anyone, but if I go out to lunch and they can't look at a menu and decide pretty quickly what they want, then I don't want to hire them because that's an indication of how they make decisions in business. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. So being a strong and swift decision maker is important and taking risks, right? That means pushing forward, trying new things. Risk isn't about being impulsive. Risk is about moving forward in ways that maybe push the boundaries or do something new. Okay, so that's the third one. The fourth one is everyday innovator mindset. So that's your capacity to not only generate innovative solutions, but also embrace and lead change before we're thinking and have a solution oriented mindset. So generate innovative solutions, embrace and lead change before thinking. This is creative problem solving. This is your ability to think differently about what's right in front of you. And that mindset is something that we all have a little differently. As you know, many of you have taken our IQE, our Innovation Quotient Assessment, discovered your unique everyday innovator archetype. So the way you do this everyday innovator mindset as the catalyst or the maverick or the integrator, it's very different than me as the pioneer or someone else who's the investigator. So, but we all have it and we all need to unlock it. Human capital is really important in making ourselves future ready. And I say human capital from the team perspective, but also from the individual perspective, we're using so little of what's going on up here. Like it's incredible to me. And I'm, I'm guilty of it too. We all are, but we've got a lot to offer that we're not leveraging. Okay. So the fourth one or the fifth one is awareness and appreciation. So this is your ability to unlock your unique strengths, motivators, drivers, and avoid self-sabotaging behaviors a lot alongside with a deep appreciation for the diverse uniqueness and value of others. So meaning understanding your strengths, your drivers, where you add value, how you tackle things and understanding and wanting that out of the people that you work with. So awareness of yourself, but also appreciation of others. I can't tell you the number of times that I have worked with teams that have really struggled. And the reason they brought us in with our archetypes and our assessment and our workshops and being future ready, those workshops, which are the most popular right now is because they don't have an understanding of how to really work together. They don't trust each other. They don't have an appreciation for each other. Now, I think you can probably see how all these come together. But again, collaborative spirit, agility and resilience, decision-making and risk-taking, everyday innovator mindset, and awareness and appreciation. Those are what it takes in this world to be future ready and to make yourself and your teams future ready. Now, before I forget, I'm going to cut and paste this over into the chat bar. I think I'm not even sure where it goes when I come from StreamYard, but we'll find out. We have an assessment that you can take that'll tell you how future ready you are and how future ready your team is. So go check it out. It's on our website, but it's awesome because it'll give you an actual score across all five. It asks you a whole range of questions.
So let's talk a little bit about these. I'm going to share a story with you on each of one because I think that's the best way to kind of, right? We're storytelling human. I think that's the best way to understand it. So we're going to go through all five. Um, and I will make sure to cover all of them before we're out of time. But again, this is this is about, before I dig into it, this is about being future ready, which sounds like a lofty statement, but it's really not. It's exactly what I said in the beginning, which is, it's kind of having your feet firmly on the ground and being able to tackle whatever comes your way. And maybe those are headwinds and maybe those are tailwinds, right? Maybe the wind is working against you or maybe it's pushing you forward. <clears throat> Excuse me. But either way, what matters is that you're ready to embrace that. You know, this morning um, I woke up and I often meditate for a few minutes and I was just kind of saying some prayers around like, hey, <clears throat> hey, universe. <coughs> oh, sorry, guys. Let me mute myself for a minute. <clears throat> I don't know if that actually muted myself, but we'll find out. So this morning I was kind of meditating. This is the whole, like I, like I said, a little swollen throat. I was meditating and I was just kind of, I like to ask a question to the universe and then listen. That's how I do it. There are a lot of different ways to do it. And I was asking the universe, like, can you show me the path to accelerate our growth? right? We're kind of, we're hitting up on that hockey stick and I really want it. I really want to know, okay, of the things that I'm working on, what do I really need to push forward? And what do I really, of the things that we do, what should I really be dialed into and focused on to really move to the next level that we're trying to get to? And that is not, you know, a question that you could ask at any level, whether you're starting out or kind of more successful and already have grown a business like me, but either way, right? That's the question I was asking. And then, no joke, I got three emails in with requests for things. And they were all kind of in the same vein. And at first, I just wasn't paying attention. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll get to these. Let me get some other stuff done first. And then I realized, oh my gosh, Tamara, I asked, what does the future hold? And the universe was like, here you go. Here's what you need to be paying attention to. And I needed to be decisive, right? Decision-making. And I needed to take a risk and be really bold in my request back to these. And I did. And, but I share that because to me, being future ready isn't just like, I know how to tackle this change coming my way. I think it's about being ready to do anything. So I was ready this morning when those opportunities came in, I was ready to go after them. I had the right language. I had the right content. I had the right links for them to explore the right solutions for their problems, right? I was poised. I was ready. My company was ready for that. So when you think about being future ready, you want to be future ready, not just for the challenges, but also for the opportunities that come your way. I think all too often we talk about all of this as, hey, we got to be ready for the changes and the challenges and the crap, right? But the reality is, we need to also be ready for the good things and the opportunities. More often than not, I see people not reach their level of success, their level that they could, not because they couldn't overcome the challenges, that's part of it, but because they couldn't seize the opportunities. So being future ready is about the headwinds and the tailwinds, okay? If you're a bike rider, you know if those winds are pushing against you, you are slow AF. But if the wind is behind you, right? is pushing. You can be uphill going faster than you were going down, downhill with a different wind. So being future ready is about both of those, right? You got to be ready for, and be ready to adjust your gears, be ready to adjust your cadence, be ready to adjust, you know, how you do it moving forward, but with both. So 
with that, let me dig in to both of these. I got a few bikers on here who love the analogy. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes, I've learned the hard way that, you know, I was once training for a bike race and I was going on this canyon. It was like rolling hills. And the wind was so bad that I, and it was headwind, right? It was pushing against me. It was so bad that I was going downhill slower than my fiance was going uphill in the opposite direction. But he was prepared to take advantage, right, of what he had. And I was prepared to push forward and knew what to do to keep going in the direction I was going, despite the fact I was already going downhill, but so slow. So you need both. All right. I'm glad you guys like that analogy. It kind of works for me too. All right. So collaborative spirit, right? So let me share a story about this one. And I'm gonna, like I said, I'm going to share stories about my clients because I'm really impressed with a lot of what they do and how they do it. So your ability to work well with others in a way that best leverages people's diverse set of strengths and works towards shared vision or goals. So I, one of the, my long-term clients that I've done multiple things for is a district attorney's office out in California. And they are an incredible group of people. But just for a moment, I want you to imagine you have a lot of different types of people that have to come together to make this team work. So you have lawyers, right? The prosecutors, you have investigators, you have clerks you have administration, you have uh, mental health services, you have children's services, right? You've got a lot of very diverse groups and types of people. And one thing with them, and one thing I think this group in particular, why they're so successful in what they do is that they collaborate so well and their culture is of collaboration. So if the prosecutor side of the office is having a challenge, the investigators or the clerks or the children's welfare, whatever, actually rally to help them move forward because everybody's impacted by everything and they understand that. And they understand that different roles and different perspectives have value. And I share them with you because I know sometimes at work, it feels like I'm over here in marketing and they're over here in operations and they're over here in R&D or product development, whatever. And what we do is different, right? My department's marketing, their department is that. But in reality, for people to thrive, that collaborative spirit has to go beyond what's in your line of sight. So if you're watching this and thinking for yourself, how you be future ready, I want you to think about how you can collaborate with other people to stay future ready and people that maybe you don't interact with on a regular basis. One thing I'm really excited about that is out of my comfort zone completely is because I'm not Funny enough, like of all the things I'm strong at, I'm not sure collaboration is my strong point, but as I was doing the research and kind of really realizing this, I needed to get stronger. And I, so I said to myself, I'm going to say yes to every collaboration that comes my way or every good collaboration. So a colleague of mine who also does an incredible podcast, she does hers, I do mine. We've interviewed each other for each other's podcast, but we were talking after one of our podcasts and she said, what if we got together and did a Saturday morning just in our pajamas, you know, kind of raw AF kind of podcast that's just about like one kind of thing, right? One theme for the month for us. And she's an entrepreneur just like I am. And then I thought about it. I was like, you know what? In the vein of having a collaborative spirit, I am going to do that. And I don't know where it's going to go. Our first one's going to be this coming Saturday in a few days. But I'm super excited for it because that's the collaborative spirit. That's recognizing that we have a shared vision of growing our podcasts and we both have different angles, different strengths, different perspectives, different communities that we come to the table with. 
So when you think about collaborative spirit, I want you to think about not just what's like right in your line of sight, but also out on the, you know, kind of on the edges, on the fringes. That's where real collaboration really happens. And Yolo County, this group that I work with, is an amazing example of that because every time I talk to them and I do kind of one-on-one -on -one interviews with the team to prepare for something, they talk about how they got support from somebody here or somebody else solved a problem. And when I get them together, that's how they act. Like they know that they are a bigger, more powerful team together. They have an incredible collaborative spirit. So you got to ask yourself in your life individually, are you collaborating? And in your teams, do you really have a collaborative spirit or are you just trying to get together for consensus? By the way, I'm a I'm not, I should say, a fan of consensus in any way. Consensus kills everything. Collaboration is what really works. And collaboration tends to lead to alignment, which is essential. It's not about consensus. So that's what I think a real collaborative spirit looks like. It's not about this kind of like little four people at the table that you work with every day. It's about that bigger picture and understanding how to work well with others for shared visions, whether that's one-on-one -on -one or in bigger teams and recognizing those teams are bigger. All right, so that's collaborative spirit. Number two is agility and resilience. So agility and resilience is capacity to quickly adapt to change, right? Come back from setbacks stronger. This one's gonna be really important. They're all important, but this one, I just wanna highlight because as I said before, you know change is coming, but you don't know what that change is gonna be a lot of the time. And we, I think we can anticipate I don't know, 70% of it, but there's 30% that we can't anticipate. So we have to be ready for the un, what am I trying to say? We have to be ready for the things that we don't anticipate that we can't possibly anticipate because they're happening. The world moves so fast right now. So I'm going to go a little bit back in time to forward and say that, you know, like many of us in 2020, um, when everything got shut down, the rug got pulled out from under me for my business, pulled out. I was set to have the best year yet for our business. Our team was ready to go. I was ready to go. And then all that stuff crumbled. So as you can imagine, when all that stuff crumbles, all that money and all those opportunities and all those clients and all that relationships, right? It all goes with it. So there I am like with a business model that doesn't work anymore, or at least doesn't work in the time that we're in. And you know, I think the first couple of weeks, I'll never forget, I had coffee with a friend of mine who's in a similar business. She does more speaking than she does kind of this online stuff that I do, but similar businesses. And she said, um, yeah, I think we'll be on the road again. I was like, yeah, two weeks tops. This was like beginning of March, maybe 2020. Is that right? That's what we thought, right? Looking back, how ridiculous. But I quickly came to realize, right, that the rug was pulled out. And it wasn't coming back anytime soon. And I had to figure out how to adjust. So I looked around, I looked at what are my clients needs now? What's the world need for me now that maybe has changed from before? I looked at what's the real benefit that I provide that Launch Street provides, not just the tools and the tactics, but the, the, the purpose and the why behind it. I looked at all the different ways we could pivot the business in terms of how we deliver. And we had to pivot fast, right? We had to be very agile. So we went from live, we went to online into scalable versions really quickly, but also we actually had to adjust what we were delivering to match the times we were in. So being agile and being resilient isn't just 
kind of pivoting here and pivoting there and just saying, I'm going to do exactly what I've done, but in this channel or in this forum, being agile is about not just adjusting that, but adjusting how and what you deliver. So I'm going to give you my example, right? So we do, right, we have the assessment, the IQE, the everyday innovator personality styles. And I wanted that to go out there, but the rug was pulled out and we normally did it through live events and workshops and keynotes, but that wasn't happening in 2020. So I couldn't do that. So everyone said, well, just take it online, do a webinar, right? Just do a webinar and take it online. But that's not really being agile. Frankly, I think that's being lazy because what I needed to do was go, wait a minute, we can go online and reach a global audience, but also what do they need from me now that's different from six months ago? And that's a question I think if we wanna to continue to be agile, that's a question that we have to keep asking ourselves is, what does the market need from me now that it didn't need six months ago? How many of you are asking that question of yourself on a regular basis? I ask this almost monthly because then I could say, okay, I've got this assessment, right? I've got this foundation, I've got this tool, but the insights that I'm going to pull out from it that are very valid and very valuable are different today than they were six months ago when the rug got pulled out. Okay. And how I'm delivering it, how the person on the other side experiences it needs to be different, how an individual engages and how a team engages. So being agile isn't just about, I'm just going to change. It's about really being intentional and thoughtful about how you change. Because when you do that, you can be very agile and also create meaningful solutions and meaningful ideas. So rug gets pulled out. We're like, oh my God, what do we do? Everybody's doing webinars and micro courses. And we're like, mm, I'm not sure that's quite right. I don't know that that's what the world needs because they're adjusting and adapting too. So we made it so that our assessment led to the AHA Academy, the five-day everyday innovator challenge. It's the, you bring your challenge, we bring the proven exercises and the personalized roadmap, and we get you from barriers to breakthrough. So you bring the challenge, we bring the exercises, we create solutions together, and then learn how to move the right ideas forward too. So, and you can, yeah, you can see that on our website. So if you click on that link in the, it should be in your comments. If you're not, tell me and I'll get it to you. Um, but if you click on that, you'll find the challenge on there. But my point is agility and resilience isn't just about change for change sake. It's about being intentional and thoughtful. What can I bring to the world in a different way? What does the world need from me that's different than it was before? And really asking that without judgment. And resilience, I think we all know what that is, you're right, is pushing through. But I also think it's about if you really want to be future ready and really set yourself up to thrive and succeed and be high value in the uncertain and disruptive world that we're in, resilience is about coming back from setbacks quickly, but stronger. Or I should say and stronger. Why? Because I don't need you to bounce back to do the same thing you've always done. I need you to bounce back and actually have learned from that experience and grow and adapt and innovate. So that's what that is all about. So agility and resilience, right? It's, you gotta be a little bit more intentional about it and a little bit more thoughtful about it. And you gotta understand, like you gotta know in your market, where are things that are constantly changing? Again, you can't, you can't anticipate everything, but you can create a bit of a roadmap, look to the future a little bit and go, okay, based on what's happening today, here's what I think is coming down the road. So how are we gonna pivot and adapt should that happen? Okay, number three is decision-making and risk-taking. So that's your ability to make confident decisions and act in a decisive manner and swift manner and act boldly and take smart risks. So I think this one is so underrated, not talked about enough. 
And as I mentioned in the beginning of that story about uh, that entrepreneur who takes people out to lunch because she wants to see how they order food. And by the way, <clears throat> that made me feel really better, uh, much better about the fact that I tend to like scan the menu, find one thing, lock in, and then just go with it because I can't be bothered. It's too much work to look at a Cheesecake Factory menu. Like I know the things generally I like and then I'm good, right? So I felt better about being decisive there because apparently that's an indicator of how I make decisions and probably accurate. But again, it's confident decision-making. I cannot tell you the number of times I see people lollygag in their decision-making. Oh my gosh. It takes an hour to figure out where to go to dinner. It takes two days to figure out um, if you want to buy that outfit. And worse, in my opinion, it takes six months to decide if you're going to move on that idea or not move on that idea, but not even make a decision either way. That's going to slow you down. I'm going to tell you right now, the people that make decisions quickly are 100% going to outpace you all day, every day. They will always outpace you because they are moving, they are deciding, they are learning. They are moving, deciding, and learning. And they are taking risks, right? They are trying new things, they are experimenting, they are pushing the boundaries, they're recognizing that we can't use old proven methods to solve today's problems and to push forward in today's world, right? So it requires risk, there's a little bit of unknown, a little bit of uncomfortableness to it. So I've got an incredible client who's in HR software, just to sum it up, UKG. And I've done an incredible amount of work. I've been very fortunate to work with their global, one of their global teams. And I love this team. And they embody being decisive and taking risks. So they work in markets across Latin America and Asia. And so things fluctuate a lot and they're selling into these companies and not only do the, like, the markets change, but regulations change and customers change. So they need to move quickly. And I'm going to tell you right now that every time I talk to them, and I've talked to them probably once a month in some way or another for the last year and a half, they have made decisions, they have implemented, they have taken some risk, right? They've tried some new things and they have learned and they have grown and they have adapted. And I'm going to tell you right now that if they're on the other side of that coin and they didn't do those things with confidence and with decisiveness, they would, that they would fail. They would fail. And all of us would. And I see so many people that just struggle to make decisions, even the most basic ones. And by the way, if you're one of those people that are like, man, I am super indecisive, I would, it's a muscle. Okay. It's not something that like I have and you don't. I just practice mine more and I've gotten more comfortable being decisive and confident, even decisions that I only have 50% of the data on, which by the way, is pretty much every decision we all make. So you got to get comfortable with 50% because you're never going to have hundred percent. That's just, that's a procrastination tactic. If you're like, I'm waiting for more information, you're just procrastinating. That's all that is. So we got to get really comfortable making them and making them quickly. And if you don't have that muscle, what I suggest to you is to start small. Start by going out to eat and being like, I'm going to make a decision like that and I'm not wavering. By the way, just use that as my example. I've gone out to dinner, made a decision and been like, meh, not my favorite. But guess what? Next time I went to that restaurant, I picked something else. You learn and you evolve. Same with decisions in my business. I will you know, put out an email um, inviting people to attend whatever it is and people don't really respond. I'm like, all right. I made that decision, but guess what? I learned it didn't work. And guess what? 
I learned and I evolved. And the next time I sent out that type of communication, I adjusted it based on what happened. And then I was successful the next time or the time after that. Sometimes it takes a few times. Let's not pretend it happens overnight ever. But being decisive is really important and being able to take risks. You got to think like someone who experiments, right? Like a scientist. That's how you're going to make it. So decision-making risk-taking. And this team, this global team that I've worked, have good fortune of working with, really inspires me to be even better about this because they really, in the markets they're in, that they really need to do that if they want to succeed um, because their markets are different. And I'm always impressed. Every time I talk to them, they've made decisions, they've moved the needle forward, they've tried things. And that's why they meet their numbers, exceed their numbers. That's why they do so well at what they do. It's because, among other things, it's because of that. All right, the next one is everyday innovator mindset, which again, capacity to generate innovative solutions, embrace and lead change, be forward thinking. So I wanna highlight a really um, inspiring client of mine is Golden Belt Bank, and they're out in Kansas and in Colorado. And I did a strategic retreat with their leadership team. But here's what I loved about it. When they called me to bring me in, they didn't say we want to figure out the next year. They didn't say we want to like, you know, adjust to change. That was all true. What they said was, what the president said to me was, I want to lead our industry. Like I want to be the ones paving the way for how banking is done in the future. That is innovative. That is generating solutions that are forward thinking. That's about having a solution mindset. So he wasn't saying, let's get be reactive to the current situation we're in. He was saying, let's, yes, let's make sure we have no like, you know, holes that need to be filled, but let's push forward and let's be leaders and let's be creative problem solvers and innovators in our field and do it differently. How cool is that? I was so excited to, they, and they lived up to every moment. They were so great to work with. And we created a whole wealth of ideas to help them get there and moved some of them forward. But my point is, right, if you don't think like an innovator, you're going to get left behind. I'm going to share another story with you. This was from years ago, but I think it's still relevant. I know it's relevant. It really stuck with me. So, uh, oh, what year was this? Let's call with 2015. I don't know. It was a long time ago. It was a while ago. It was before digital newspapers were all the thing and everything was digital. It was when newspapers were moving to digital, when people were looking to things like the Huffington Post, we've had bloggers, right, just kind of giving content, when that was becoming big, when blogging and people getting their news from social media and other people versus news sources was really coming into play. So I'm sitting in a conference room talking about the future with a group of newspaper executives, very, very senior level people who have been there a long time, in, in newspapers, media for a long time. And I will never forget, as we're starting the conversation, one of them spoke up and said, we don't need to change how we do things. We just need people to understand how awesome it is. No kidding. So we don't need to change having a printed paper delivered to people's doorsteps every day or in those little machines that you put a quarter in or whatever it was. We just need people to see why that's superior to getting it online. Then another person went on to talk about how, well, you can't trust what you see online and, and, and nobody's going to believe it. And, you know, they're not trusted sources, no strategic foresight, right? Part of being future ready, none. Instead, they were more interested in digging in their heels and proving value for something that was in the past. 
So that's the opposite newspapers of Golden Belt Banks. And I want to point out, I really want to highlight these two because banking and newspapers are pretty stodgy industries overall. I think media has changed a little bit, but banking is too. And yet you've got two totally different approaches, right? You've got the newspaper that's like digging our heels. We're valuable. We should not change how we do things. We're for the elite newsreader. And then we all know how that went. Not great. And then on the other side, we've got a group who's like, yeah, things are changing. We got a lot to keep up and let's be leaders. Let's be innovators in our field. How cool is that? You need to be doing that. You need to be thinking that way. You need your teams thinking that way. All right. Awareness and appreciation. So again, this is your ability to unlock your unique strengths, motivators, and drivers and avoid self-sabotagers. We all have them. And it's about appreciating that in others. So it's understanding your archetype, right? Your uniqueness and your value, your strengths, how you create a problem solve, decision-making, all that, what you bring to the table, but then also understanding what someone on the other side brings to the table. So I wanna share a story of you, one of the first teams that I worked on where I was very junior, where I saw this in action. I didn't realize it at the time, but upon reflection, it was one of the healthiest teams I've ever worked on. So early in my career, I worked in advertising in Madison Avenue with the second largest global advertising agency in the world. And it was called Young and R, a Y and R, Young and R, Young and Rubicam, Y and R. <laughs> I'll get there. So in those days, this is mid nineties. In those days, uh, Madison Avenue was it for creative. It was like Mad Men. It was Mad Men. Okay. So in fact, there was a lot of things about Mad Men and the inappropriate stuff that mimicked the work environment on Madison Avenue in the nineties, mid nineties. This is like 95, 96. So I got put on a team at one point as I was finally an account coordinator, which is still the lowest of the low, right on the totem pole of organization. But as I got put on that, um, I was put on with a group of people that were considered disruptors. So all of us like to poke the bear. So they put us all on a team together thinking maybe we'd implode. I, I really think they pushed us to the side hoping we would implode. We ended up thriving and growing our clients pockets by 18% in one year, like revenue. I mean, we did amazing. And of course the brand that we worked on, my favorite brand in the world, Chef Boyardee Ravioli, the best. It was American Home Foods at the time. So anybody remember that? Anybody else? Oh, you still eat Chef Boyardee. Mm, I love it. Mm. Also, you should know about me. If you ever hire me, I'm the type of person who I'm all in. So when I was working on Chef Boyardee, I ate ravioli. When I was working for Johnsonville Sausage, I ate a ridiculous amount of sausage. When I was working for Art Mills, I bought flour and like made every cake I could make. So I'm all in because I want to experience the products and the services, right? You know, if you're in banking, I'm going to see if I can figure out how to bank with you for like what that experience is like. You know, I'm, I'm, all, I'm an all in kind of gal. So, but okay, so back to the story is, uh, so they put us together. Anita May, who is the most amazing human ever, was our most senior boss. And then it was a, a gentleman named Stuart McLean, who's also awesome. And they're all both off doing great things. And there was a couple of people between us and me. And what really struck me that was so great about this team is we were all a little bit disruptive and a little bit vocal. And so you would think that that wouldn't work on a team together. But actually, the most amazing thing happened. It was the opposite. And we'd be in a room together. In fact, often in Anita's office, she had a big office with some couches. 
And we'd be sitting in there and we'd be talking about, you know, what the creative campaign should be. Oh, Carl Greenblatt. That's the other. He was the creative guy. Carl was the best. Carl and I used to watch The Tick. Anybody remember that show? The Tick? The actual animated? Oh, I'm so old. <laughs> okay. Uh, sorry, I digress. I just remembered his name. Carl's great. And he went off to do amazing things too. So, but we'd all be in a room talking about the client's objectives, the creative brief, the ad, the, you know, the rough cut of the ad, whatever it was. And we would be debating and arguing and bantering and agreeing and disagreeing. And if you walked by, you might've thought it was a pretty volatile meeting, but the reason we were able to debate and discuss and all of us had a voice at the table is because we had awareness of what we brought and the voice that we brought and we had incredible appreciation for each other. I really believe that looking back, they had no reason to believe to me. I believe me or listen to me. I grew up in the corporate era of, you know, you weren't, you didn't speak until spoken to, and you didn't talk until you had a director title and they listened to me and they listened to my thinking and they let me have client interaction. Right. It was so powerful for me. It was such a great career experience, but the awareness and the appreciation that we had for each other, we could debate, which is so important for being future ready and to have a healthy, thriving organization. We spend so much time trying to run away from debate and argument. It is essential because otherwise you end up with group think and group think leads to, it leads to incredible holes in your thinking. It's a bad idea. So we worked well because we understood what we brought to the table. We all did. We all were pretty confident in our skills. That's why we bothered other people. But together we were a powerhouse because we had that appreciation for each other too. And I will always look back on those days so fondly and give a big thank you to Anita and Stuart and Carl who allowed me to have a voice at the table, but they understood all of these things. They did it naturally. It was a wonderful experience. But I share that because we have that appreciation awareness and that led to incredible creative that led to more sales of ravioli. And that's important and that's powerful. And that's what happens when you do that. So if you work by yourself, or if you're solo, it's doing that with the people, your partners, your vendors, your web guy, the person who does your social media, whatever, the whole command and control doesn't work, right? We need to have that connection. And when we have that as a team, as a company, as a small business with our customers, we can go further. You know, I hadn't thought about that until this very moment, but with customers it's also really important that we're future ready together with them, that we have a collaborative spirit, that we have agility and resilience and we're able to ebb and flow with them, that we just, we are strong decision makers and help them be strong decision makers and innovator mindset and awareness and appreciation. If you've ever been on a phone call with me or anyone on my team to talk about whatever it is we're doing together, whether it's because you're you've joined the AHA Academy, whether it's because you're doing a workshop, a future readiness workshop with us, whatever it is, you know that it's more like a collaborative discussion and there's a lot of awareness and appreciation versus us kind of going behind the black curtain and then coming forward and telling you what to do or you just telling us what to do, right? Both ways don't work. So our sessions are very coachy like with each other and very open. You know, I just had a conversation with the district attorney's office um, that we're doing the work for the other day. And, you know, he said something that that made me go, you know what, given what you just said, I think we might want to adjust this. I already set the plan. 
but he said something that was really important that I needed to listen to. And I, because I appreciate that his, what he says really matters, not just because they're paying us, but because that's the appreciation you need to have for the people around you. And I'd say that my teams over at UKG that I work with would probably tell you the same thing that I, every session with me is like, I'm listening, I'm asking questions. I'm, I, I am giving advice and suggestions. I've been doing this a long time, right? That's my expertise in my areas, but I want to match that with what they have to say. This is not a command and control situation in either direction. And anytime I've had a leader or a client who doesn't want to hear me, who just wants to hear their perspective, I'll shut it down and be like, whoa, we need to, we need to kind of do this a little bit differently because I know that it's that bringing together that's going to get us to the meaningful area, not just one voice and one perspective. Okay. So, wow. I've shared a lot of stories today with clients, real world. Um, again, future ready, right? This is your ability to anticipate, adapt, respond proactively to change and complexity, have that strategic foresight, resilience, stand right to withstand and thrive amidst uncertainty and disruption. And all those are really important. So I hope that this helps you. I want you to think about those five areas. Go take our scorecard. We have it set up for teams, but you could answer it just for yourself too, right? And see where you fall. So it kind of works out in the same way. It has a series of very specific questions that work in these different categories. But I know you're tired of hearing, you know, we live in disruptive, uncertain, VOCA times. I'm tired of it too, but it's the reality that we're all in and we need to accept it. And I can't tell you what your job is going to look like in a year. I can't tell you what my job is going to look like in a year, but I can tell you that if you have these five areas, you're set up for success, to have your feet on the ground and to tackle the challenges and the opportunities that come your way. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today. I love it all. I love your questions. I love your comments. Thank you. Thank you. This will be released. Um, tomorrow on the podcast. We do these all raw and uncut and then we send them out. So if you missed it, if you want to listen to it again, because you're kind of at work and you're doing a multiple things, you can get it on the podcast players as well. All of them. All right, everybody. Thank you. I'll see you next time. You're welcome.